Welcome to Excel Radio with Dr. Nick Zarowski, where we talk with world-class entrepreneurs, executives, and health experts who have unlocked the secrets to Excel Health and performance. Hi, and thank you for joining us on Excel Radio. This is your health and high performance expert, Dr. Nick Zarowski. Today in this episode, we are doing a very special edition Mother's Day episode. And in this episode, we're going to be speaking about how to raise healthy children. So my wife and I, we get a lot of questions through Facebook and email and on the website. How in the world do we raise our kids and really what does it take to raise healthy children? So what we want to do is we want to dig into this a little bit with you. So I'm going to be interviewing my wife and she's here with me right now. Welcome and thank you for being on the show with all of our listeners today. Ashley. Hi, everyone. It's uh, wonderful to be here with you. Uh, For this Mother's Day podcast, it's uh, an honor to be here and to speak with you and with all the mothers that are listening. Um, Happy Mother's Day to you. It's a very special Mother's Day for me. This is my first Mother's Day as a mother of two. We just brought into the world our son, Tyler. So I'm excited to share with you all the things I've learned along the way Um, and help you raise your children to really just give them the best possible future. That's what we all want for our children. Absolutely. Absolutely. So though she is my wife, so it might seem a little bit interesting, you know, that I'm going to be interviewing her. But, you know, in order to really get the, the most information to you and really be as informative as we can here, I'm going to interview her basically on how we raise our children. So let's start at conception. What are some of the big things that you did at conception that we really focused on in order to really make sure that um, when, when the baby was uh, developing, it had all the necessary building blocks that it needed. So when you're pregnant, you are building, like Nick said, building a person inside of your body. You need the best raw materials possible to create a a healthy human being inside of you. It takes so many things to go right for your baby to be born healthy with 10 fingers, 10 toes, and, and to be functioning at optimal level. So What we did um, when I first found out I was pregnant, I found a high-quality prenatal and started taking that religiously. And in addition to the prenatal, I took an omega with DHA. There are many studies that support the fact that DHA is important for the baby for their brain development. And every mother wants their baby to be smart and be able to succeed. So it's very important that they have that um, for brain development. I even continue taking it while I'm nursing down the road. It's very important even at that point. So I took a prenatal. I also took a DHA. um, And then you know, I took caffeine out of my diet. I was a, a person who always ran to the coffee machine first thing in the morning. So it was hard to cut out, especially in your first trimester when you're already tired. But it's it's really important. Um, you just don't want that extra caffeine in your diet. It's not good for the baby's development. And you can have a, a little bit. But um, for me, I just wanted to remove anything that could even potentially stunt my baby's growth. Okay, so you were talking about your prenatal. So I know that you were taking the NeuroBoost supplement for the DHA and the essential fatty acids. What specific supplement were you taking for the prenatal? Because I know if we're not specific here, we're going to get emails on it. So which prenatal were you using and you know why did you like it? 
Sure. I really liked um, Designs for Health makes uh, prenatal, and they're in packets already. They're in daily packets. So even when I was not at home, I could take the packets with me, and they're high-quality um, supplements in there. It also had a osteo force, which is for um, bone development as well, and that was uh, included in the prenatal. Yeah, cool. And they were in packets, so you had everything there. You didn't have to try to piece together like five different bottles. <laughs> right, exactly. So you just grab one packet a day, and I would just take it with my with my dinner. Okay. So we started at conception. Now let's talk about the diet that you had while you were uh, pregnant, because this is something that is often overlooked by a lot of pregnant women. A lot of times, uh, I know that you experience this at your work, where people would bring in a lot of like just you know, sugar-filled dishes, cookies, ice cream, that type of thing. And they would be like, well, you're pregnant. This is your opportunity to just like, you know, slam yourself with all this junk food. So, you know, speak on that a little bit because I know that that was something, what you were doing with your diet was something that was t typically uh, not known by a lot of the mothers around you. Right, exactly. So they're like, you're pregnant. You can eat for two. Like, go ahead and have two pieces of cake. And, you know... What I when they said that, it kind of I kind of stood back and I was like, I know that's what most women do, and they can blame it on their cravings. So I'm gonna have ice cream because I'm just craving this ice cream. Sure, ice cream sounds good even when you're not pregnant. Like let's be honest, ice cream always sounds good. But when you are pregnant, you have to think about that baby, and if you are creating a whole person from scratch inside of you, do you want to be giving? Your, your forming child uh, an onslaught of sugar and hydrogenated oils and bleached flour that's in this cake and it, I was just like no like this is this is a period of time in my life when I need to be most vigilant on my diet if I'm going to be you know really doing everything I can as a mother for my baby it starts now and it starts with what I'm putting in my body to help make my baby so what I did is, you know, I really focus on increasing my good fats. So if I'm going to have a healthy baby and a healthy brain, it's important for them to have, you know, avocados, olive oil, grapeseed oil, raw dairy from grass-fed sources, all of these good fats I increased in my diet. I cut out processed foods. I know that that's hard for a lot of people, especially when they're on the go, but as um, Dr. Zorowski has talked about plenty of times, it's... You just have to plan ahead, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But as long as you plan ahead, you can avoid grabbing those convenience foods that are just full of artificial flavoring, artificial uh, food dyes, bleached flour, hydrogenated oils, all of those things. That's just not good for the baby. So, you know, good leafy, green leafy vegetables, um, meat from grass-fed sources, uh, organic dairy, raw if possible, and, um, you know, just making sure that I had enough protein in my diet as well because it's important to sustain you. Okay, good stuff. So you were saying that you increased your good fats, and that's really important when you're developing a child inside you because the brain in the nervous system is made up of 70% fat. So it needs that developing child, that developing brain needs those fats. And of course, that continues to, you know, when the child is born as well. But, you know, especially during development, you have to have those good fats available for the child. Now, um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about 
is exercise. Let's jump into exercise a little bit because it used to be thought that when you were pregnant, you just, you just needed to sit back and relax and you needed to rest a lot. And that was really like an old notion. And so what did you do that was very different than the typical thought process when it comes to exercise while being pregnant? Well, I was already exercising before I got pregnant. And that's an important thing to note only because you don't want to get pregnant and then start running a marathon. That's that's not what your body is used to. You don't want to put that extra stress on you. However, even if you haven't been working out, you need to just stay active. It's so important. Think of this. If you're if you're a mother listening, you know that labor is one of the most intense things that you'll ever go through. It's it's difficult. And Labor is like a marathon. You have to train for it. If you don't develop your muscles and you don't, you know, stay active and stay fit, then how do you expect to go through the most intense thing that you're going to go through in your entire life? You really need to train for that. So um, when I was pregnant, I was already exercising. So I continued, you know, running, weightlifting, um, you know, doing strength training during, especially during the first and second trimester. At the end of the second trimester, you're, you're big, and at that point, it's hard to do actually going out and running. So I would do on the treadmill, I would you know set it on the hill mode, and I would walk uphill, would still get my heart rate up, but I wasn't doing that impact anymore because um, I, I just couldn't do that with my, my stomach being at that size. So, um, And then I would just do a lot of stretching, yoga. Uh, there's plenty of good uh, workout tapes for pregnant women. There's a lot of good resources out there now. There's yoga for pregnant women classes that you can go to. A lot of great stuff. Um, but, you know, the exercise, it's good for you while you're pregnant. But even post-baby, it helps you recover quicker. You know, if you have that muscle tone, you're able to, um, you know, first of all, keep the weight off while you're pregnant so you rebound to your normal weight a lot faster. And you're just healthier overall, top to bottom. And for the baby, it's also really important. There's been studies that shown that babies of mothers who exercised while um, they were pregnant, these children later in life had higher IQs. You know, when they tested them at age five, six, and seven, they had higher IQs. So I know that was a motivation for me even when I was tired or I didn't feel good to at least go out for a brisk walk. Absolutely. And how many 5Ks did we do while you were pregnant? I remember doing them. And so I, I, I know that there was at least two off the top of my head. Was it two? Yeah, it was two um, with our with our first daughter. When I was pregnant with my daughter, I did two 5Ks. The last one I did was um, I was seven and a half months pregnant. And this last time I only did one 5K, but you know, I still stayed active. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not about going and doing a 5K and trying to get your best time ever. It's just doing it, you know, mm -hmm. you know, jog or whatever, whatever you have to do, walk. Swimming. Let me interject here. Yeah. Swimming was huge, um, especially I lived in Georgia when I was um, expecting our daughter and it was summertime. So I'd go hit the pool and just, you right. know, swim laps. And that's great low impact and yeah. uh, you feel good when you're in the water. You don't feel so big and heavy. Right. And actually helped you with a little bit of the swelling as well. Yes. Right. right. So I, um, at the end of the um, last month while I was pregnant, I got some swelling in my ankles and um, by swimming, I was able to reduce that swelling. It was very helpful. Yeah. And then of course, exercise too helps you reduce stress. And it's really important to make sure that you're reducing stress as much as possible. 
when you're pregnant because if you are having these stress responses all the time, you're releasing these stress hormones and it does affect the baby. Now, I don't know, there's not a whole lot of studies saying that there's some huge negative profound effects on the baby. However, you know, it's, it's fact, you know, you're going to release these stress hormones. It will affect the baby. Um, the, 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 the baby will get this stress hormone bath basically from the hormone stress hormone release that you have. So if you exercise, it's going to be another way to just calm yourself down and, and, um, really relax as well. Now let's jump into the delivery a little bit, but before we start talking about the delivery, one of the things that you did do on a regular basis through your whole delivery was get chiropractic care, right? Yes. So that chiropractic care is really amazing for pregnant women. Not only do you feel so much better um, after the adjustment, but it's it's it has proven to decrease uh, delivery and labor time and labor pain. So for every woman listening, you know that you don't want to be in labor for as short a period of time as possible and have the least amount of pain as possible. And that has actually been proven to help. Um, I know that I had a lot of discomfort in my hips when I was pregnant, especially with my son. And I, as soon as I would get um, an adjustment, I would feel so much better. I would have more clarity of thought. I'd be able to move easier. Um, sitting didn't hurt anymore. You know, laying on my back, I couldn't even lay down for a second on my back. I had so much pain, but it really just would take that away. And doing going consistently, it would prevent it from ever getting to the point where it was unbearable. Right. And so pretty much every chiropractor learns to work with pregnant women. women. However, um, there are chiropractors out there that go on to specialize further in that. And you can go to the ICPA uh, website. I believe it's ICPA.org. And they actually have studies published and all these different things about pregnancy and kids and women. So uh, I know that was something that really made a huge profound effect, especially with our first child. It, it helped her, um, you know, uh, position herself so that she was ready for delivery when she when she wasn't positioned right and that was huge because after you got adjusted in a special way uh, to help her um, to help the baby move into position um, you went into labor exactly. soon after right exactly it was within hours after um, so for ladies if your doctor does tell you that your baby is in breech position certainly try it. It can't hurt. It, it has a huge success rate to help. I believe it's 80 or 90% um, to unbreach a baby using um, the Webster technique. So yeah. um, look up a, a chiropractor in your area to, to help you with that, not only if you have a breech baby, but all throughout your pregnancy. Absolutely. Okay. Let's jump into the delivery now. So what are some of the key things about you know the delivery process that are really important that made your deliveries go so well? I think it starts with your team, your delivery team. With both of my children, I had a midwife. Um, my first, uh, my, when I had my daughter, it was in a hospital, um, but I still had a midwife as my um, as my doctor, and then or as my midwife, I should say. Anyway, um, the team makes a big difference because they're either going to be adding stress or removing stress from that situation. It's a very intimate time and they need to be supporting you. It's it's your venture, it's your experience, and they need to be on your team. They shouldn't be um, 
you know, scaring you into certain tactics and things. So you need to be clear on what you want for your delivery going in and you need to express that to your team. I had a birth plan all listed out of of what I wanted. Now, of course, there's always going to be um, certain situations that happen that you need, you may need intervention. Um, That's why, you know, things like C-sections, they're good to have. Um, It's important, you know, the medical field is a wonderful thing. It saves lives every day, but less intervention is better. Um, Being pregnant is not a medical diagnosis, so you shouldn't necessarily run to those those options first. Those shouldn't be your first uh, options, and they weren't mine. I wanted something completely natural, and so I chose a water birth, and the reason I chose water birth is it's a smoother transition into the world. It's water to water for the baby, and it's also helpful for the mother um, because you're more weightless in the water and you can move around a little bit easier, help the baby move down the birth canal better, and um, it also can help prevent tearing and things of that nature. So um, I opted for a water birth and I absolutely love it. I would recommend it to every woman listening to at least look into it and make sure that you're a good candidate for it. But um, it was a beautiful experience for us and I had two healthy babies that way, absolutely no intervention, no medications, um, and uh, it, it was wonderful. Right. Now, when you were, um, I know at least with our first child, you had labored a little bit on a table versus the, the, the tub. Now, what was the differences in the pain that you felt on the table versus the tub? <laughs> when I had to lay in the hospital, they had to monitor every four hours um, the baby's heartbeat, and I had to lay still on the table. And that was agony. I know it was just a few minutes that I was on there, but it felt forever. I had terrible back pain, absolutely terrible. I had um, my my husband just pressing my lower back as hard as he could for counter pressure just to just so I could breathe through the contraction. Now, as soon as I got in that water, back pain went away. I was more weightless. The baby was more weightless. I was able to move around and get into a position that was naturally comfortable for me. And that's the most important thing. I want to just interject here. Your body is designed for this. A woman's body is designed to have this baby without any any help from anyone else. And as, as soon as you trust in that innate knowledge that your body knows what it's doing and you get into the position that's best for you and you just are you know are comfortable that's when labor is going to progress the quickest and for me it was when I got into the tub every time um even with Tyler uh, my son I had been laboring for a while as soon as I got in the tub it was only an hour and I had him it would just progress so quickly Absolutely. Now, after the baby's born, you you know, what are the best methods? I mean, there's a lot of people that are really between, am I supposed to formula feed this child? Am I supposed to uh, breastfeed the child? What is it that you did? I breastfed, I breastfed both my children. I'm I'm a firm believer that the breast is the best option for your for your child, for you, and for your relationship. Uh, obviously, for your budget as well. For those who are interested in pinching pennies, but um, for let's talk about the benefits for the baby first. Um, they are getting a milk that's specifically designed for them at that moment. So. 
the baby and the mother, there's this connection and they're transferring bacteria back and forth to each other. And the mother is assessing the surroundings all the time. And the mother's actually, the mother's body is making the milk that the baby needs to combat what's around them. So if there's pathogens in the air, the mother is creating antibodies specifically for the baby. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And the the milk is also full of good bacteria that's culturing the baby's gut and it's helping the baby to have healthy gut flora at, at day one. And so it's, it's an amazing food for the baby. Now there's this relationship too between a mother and baby that skin to skin contact. There's plenty of research even on that. Um, what's really interesting is in those few days postpartum, um, the baby's so fragile, you know, and they're just getting used to their surroundings and they have a hard time regulating their body temperature. Mm -hmm. But by having skin to skin contact with the mother, um, the mother can raise its body temperature. I believe it's two degrees in either direction to help warm or cool the baby. And it's just, it's an absolutely wonderful thing. So by nursing, you're going to get that skin to skin contact as well. Now there's benefits for the mom too. Um, it's going to help you rebound faster. It helps you shrink your uterus and your stomach faster. Um, it causes those contractions in your uterus to help you shrink faster. And uh, everyone, woman wants to get back to their normal shape. Um, but then you also get that snuggle time with your baby. You're the only one that can nurse your child. And so even when life gets in the way and you're busy, you still have that reconnect time with your baby. Um, and, you know, if you're busy and you have to go back to work, that's completely fine. You're able to pump. And um, and that's even, you know, that's the second best option is still uh, bottle feeding your baby with your own milk. Absolutely. Now, the other thing I want to jump into is, you know, one of the things that you were saying is that, you know, the, the cool thing about breastfeeding is that you're going to have a healthier child because the mother's surveying its sur your surroundings all the time so that you're giving your baby specifically what you need, what the baby needs. However, babies still get sick. Babies still get ear infections. Babies still get, you know, maybe a little colds and that type of thing. So what are the different tools that you have in your toolbox that you use in order to help with colic, in order to help with maybe an ear infection, to help with, you know, some of these common things that babies get on a regular basis? Sure. So I'll start with colic. Um, my first daughter, my first child, she was very colicky. And, um, of course, there's everyone knows that, you know, do the leg exercises and the bicycles with their legs to help them. Um, but that wasn't always working for me. There's this um, homeopathic that I would give her, and it's by King's Bio. It's a spray, and it's called Colic Relief. That was a huge help. Um, but also, just like when I was pregnant, I would go get adjusted. I would take my daughter to go get adjusted. I'd take my son to go get adjusted. Um, both of my children have been adjusted just hours after they were born. That's not always feasible for everybody, but I would definitely recommend trying to get to the chiropractor as soon as you're able to get out of the house comfortably because it is so important. Um, the birthing experience is just as difficult for the baby as it is for the mother. And many a times they do have misalignments and it's really important for their nervous system and their body to function properly to be adjusted. Um, many breastfeeding problems are even um, solved by 
um, being adjusted. Sometimes they can't latch right on one side and that's usually because there's a subluxation. So um, that's one of my tools is, um, is homeopathic sprays. King Bio makes a lot of great um, different ones for different purposes. There's a cold and flu. Um, another thing that we use is um, uh, essential oils. Essential oils are great. Um, whenever they have a stuffy nose, I start diffusing certain essential oils immediately. Um, if they have coughs or if they're starting to run a fever, I rub peppermint oil on the bottom of their feet and that's a huge help. If they're having trouble sleeping, of course there's lavender and um, serenity is one blend that I really like for sleep um, sleep troubles. So uh, essential oils, homeopathics, and chiropractic care, and then nursing are the are the go-to tools for me for a newborn baby. Absolutely. And you want to have these tools in your toolbox because, you know, you don't want to have to run to a doctor every time that your kid gets a sniffle. And, and you also don't want to have to use some type of medication that could really just set your kid up for you know, having more trouble down the road in certain areas, you know, such, such as like a kid who goes on an antibiotic, it wipes out their gut bacteria. And so obviously there's a time and a place for everything. Don't get me wrong. But if you can handle a lot of these different problems at home with a natural remedy, you can save yourself, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, but you can save yourself a lot of trips to the doctors as well because kids get sick. They are. But mm -hmm. the, the good news is, is that they rebound very quickly. So let's jump into our next topic here, and this is this is more toddler stage. Now you have a kid grown up um, is starting to eat food, but let me let me before I get there, let me ask you this: When do you start feeding your kids food versus just breastfeeding? Um, my first daughter, uh, my first child, is the only one I've had experience that with, but I waited until she had teeth. Um, a lot of people are eager to get out those little baby spoons and the pureed foods and start feeding them. It's so cute. But the thing is, is they don't have the proper enzymes to digest those foods yet. Um, nature is so smart. They start getting teeth the same time they start having the enzymes in their body to digest those foods. So the system all works together here and you don't want to rush it. Um, so I waited with my daughter till she was six months and she had her first tooth popping through. And as soon as the first tooth was there, um, we started with avocados. Avocados are a good fat. They're a superfood and they're already soft and mushy for her. Um, and she loved them. Absolutely. And then the other thing that is important about what we did too is that we introduced one food at a time. So it was like avocados for two weeks and then um, some other type of vegetable for two weeks. And then eventually I think we started cutting it down to like one week with a, a new food introduced. And, and then from there it was fine. But you know, you don't want to start introducing your food with a, your, or your kid with a lot of uh, mixed foods because a lot of these baby foods, they can have three different types of um, vegetables or, or um, vegetables and fruit in them. Mm -hmm. So it's important to start introducing um, to your child one food at a time so that their systems can adapt to it. And the other thing too is we introduced all vegetables first right. because if you start giving your children mashed bananas, they're going to choose the, the fruits all day long and they're not going to develop a taste, a healthy taste for these fruits, or for the vegetables rather. So you want them to enjoy the vegetables and develop a taste for those and then start in introducing the fruits. You know they're going to like those anyway. 
Right. And that's a fundamental change in what's going to happen next. So let's talk about the toddlers, which I just mentioned. Let's talk about how you feed um, a, a toddler in a healthy way. So first of all, like you had mentioned, starting with the greens in the vegetables is going to be really important because if you start off with fruit with your, with your child, then you're going to have some serious problems when they move towards uh, – eating food because all they're going to want is that fruit. So we started with vegetables and now let's start talking about how you feed toddlers in a healthy way so that they really have the best opportunity in life. Well, I guess we can start with breakfast. Breakfast, there's usually a few different options that we have for breakfast. There's eggs, there's homemade oatmeal, and I only ever make homemade oatmeal. This is more of a treat more than anything because it's still a grain, it's still a carb, and which will convert to sugar. Not necessarily the best choice, but we do offer it occasionally. And you always home make your, your oatmeal. Take the extra five minutes and home make it because those packaged ones are full of sugar. Right. So just loaded. So um, we do make that. Um, and then I'll just, you know, add some berries to it, some frozen blueberries, and she loves it. What are some other breakfast foods? Sure. So we also do um, smoothies. She loves smoothies. And you can get creative with these, and you can hide vegetables in every single one of them. I never make her a smoothie that doesn't include vegetables because otherwise it's just a sugar bomb. So we do um, – you can throw spinach in it, avocados, kale. Um, one, one go-to smoothie for us in the morning is um, avocados – a half an avocado, two cups of milk, and you can blend that together. Um, it tastes amazing, and the kids love it. Um, you can also throw some spinach in there for a little extra greens. Um, a berry smoothie with greens, too, is awesome. Um, then for snacks, um, I know I have a two-year-old, so she's always asking, Mommy, can I have a snack? And it's easy to grab the, you know, the granola bars and the, thing, and the unhealthy packaged products. But if you're prepared, you're able to make those better choices for your children. And I always offer my child a choice. Do you want an apple or do you want almonds? Do you want, um, you know, a banana or do you want um, uh, veggies and hummus? And and I know that sounds crazy, but she'll choose the veggies and hummus sometimes over that banana. She has developed that taste and she likes the dipping um, <laughs> too. So um, we do parfaits for snacks as well. Um, and you just you just have to um, plan ahead. Um, have vegetables cut up in your refrigerator that are easy for your children to grab on their own, especially if they're older. If you have it prepped for them, they'll, they'll grab it. Um, the other thing for lunches, you know, there's good organic hot dogs. You can still have fun foods with your kids too. Um, but we do a lot of leftovers from the night before. Um, I'll make us one big pot of soup a week and we'll eat that. My, my daughter loves soups and it's an easy way to get a bone broth in her. She actually loves drinking bone broth, by the way. Like she'll just drink a cup of bone broth. It's really, right. really exciting. But if you offer it those choices to the kids, it's amazing. Um, they really do make better choices. Um, let me ask you this then. So a lot of kids, they wake up first thing in the morning, they grab a cup of orange juice and that's how they start their day. So what is it that uh, our kids drink on a regular basis and uh, really that's very different from the average kid because I know the average kid is drinking a lot of uh, juice boxes and fruit juices in the morning and, mm -hmm. and it's causing a lot of problems where you know they just have really high sugar levels all the time, is rotting their teeth out. What do we do differently? Sure. So I don't want my daughter to crash after she has this orange juice. It's just not natural to drink 
that much orange juice. You would eat a orange in nature. You wouldn't be uh, consuming the juice of 15 oranges. So what we do is I make her, uh, we make kombucha in our home. In our home, It's very cost effective. Um, if you buy it in the store, it's like three or four dollars for a bottle, but we make a whole gallon for pennies. And um, we have kombucha. She loves it. She also really enjoys water kefir, and you can flavor that a variety of different ways. Her favorite is the cream soda variety with a little bit of vanilla and a date in there, and she just loves it. Um, we also do green drinks. So she has a couple different varieties. There's a berry flavored and an um, orange cranberry flavor, and she loves her green drinks. And you just mix a little bit of this powder in um to the water and I shake it up in a sippy cup for her and she loves it and it's a good way for her to get a variety of different greens and um, vitamins and minerals in her diet. Um, the green drink that we really like is Essentia Greens. Absolutely yeah so the Essentia Greens and then one of the things too we'll do is more of like a treat is like a sparkling water you know we don't we don't do the coca-colas and that type of things in our house so we will do a sparkling water and offer her that and she loves it you know so kids really aren't complicated the funny thing is his parents who caused the complication in their kids lives because kids are pretty they're pretty easy going about what they will accept and not accept but you know if you if you say okay well it's okay to drink coca-cola a couple times a week all of a sudden that's what your child is going to want all the time um, so that's that's something that's important is just don't complicate things right and I mean unfortunately there's a lot of marketing out there that's directed towards children um, they try to market these unhealthy cereals and make them look fun and they associate junk food with fun and you really need to educate your kids that's where the the difference lies is if you educate your kids about what's in that box of fruit loops they won't want to eat it so I tell my daughter I'm like well there's artificial food colorings in that honey and there's there's a bunch of sugar and she's already ha known firsthand that if you'll eat too much sugar you don't feel good after one time I was on Halloween she had an organic sucker and then she had an organic um, uh, gummies and mommy my tummy doesn't feel good and that was an, a learning opportunity for her that if you eat too much sugar you don't feel well. And if you let your child understand that and you help teach them, they'll make better choices all by themselves because they don't want to not feel good. And you teach them even at age one and two, they are very smart and you can't underestimate their intelligence. And by giving them those tools, they'll be set up for life to make better decisions. And some of the key foods that people are kind of questioning today, we have people who question gluten, we have people, you know, they're questioning, okay, is dairy good or bad? Um, you know, is it okay for my kid to eat McDonald's once in a while? There's a lot of these questions and, you know, you hear a lot of times, well, as long as it's not every day, it's just every once in a while, it's okay. You know, what do you think of that? I understand that everybody wants to treat their kids. Well, McDonald's, why you may think it was a treat is because when we were growing up, our parents would take us there. And so you have associated good memories with that. But you can make other better memories with your child. You don't have to take them to McDonald's because that's a special memory. It's only special if you made it special. And so you go to McDonald's and you get your child an order of fries for a special treat. 
Well, those bad oils that they're fried in, they they have a half-life 152 days in your body, I believe. Is it 100? It's 120. 120. 120. Okay. 120 days in your body. So you're setting your child up to perform at less than optimal rate for 120 days. That's three months or four months. It's just, it's silly. So if you did it once a month, every month, you're just compounding the problem and it's just not worth it. I mean, you're if you give your child that one um, Gatorade that has that artificial artificial coloring or whatever it is in there, you're affecting their behavior and the way their biochemistry is working. And why not just offer them a better choice? Right. A lot of people don't put that together too. It's like, well, my kid just can't focus. My kid has these you know, massive outbursts with temper tantrums. They can't sleep at night. They really don't put this all together as like how to, how, how the food that they're affecting or they're feeding them could be affecting all of this. You know, maybe it's the dairy that they're feeding them on a daily basis or, or the, or the bread that's causing their stomach to be upset all the time. Maybe it's the, um, the, the Coca-Cola that they're allowed to drink a couple days a week that is just, you know, driving their, their attitude and their, their, um, ability to concentrate and focus and learn things just, you know, haywire. So you really have to look at what you're putting into the tank. You know, you can't put water into a gas tank on a vehicle and expect it to function properly. Well, everything that you eat is building blocks to your body. So you can't give your kid things that, you know, just aren't proper building blocks and expect it to function as proper building blocks. Um, what I want to ask you now is a lot of things we were talking about with the DHA and the, the prenatals. Now, does that carry over into the toddler with you know raising that child? Sure. So as soon as my daughter was no longer nursing, I started giving her um, vitamins and I would give her uh, liquid. Um, they're called Kids Play. Um, by systemic formulas and their liquid vitamins and I would give her one called brainy play and it's full of EPA DHA omega-3 and omega-6s and I would give her that that dropper full so I'm helping continuing that brain function Uh, of course still having a good diet full of healthy fats like coconut and things like that but um, a supplement is an extra boost Uh, our unfortunately our food sources aren't good quality uh, as good of quality as they were 50, 100 years ago. And then I would also give her a, I still give her um, a vitamin and mineral supplement that's also liquid. So a child who isn't even able to chew solid foods can take these supplements. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to eating healthy, a lot of people want to complain that it's just super expensive and, you know, oh, I understand people that are wealthy, they can do that type of thing or people who have a lot of money and or, you know, whatever the case is, people come up with all these barriers that really don't exist in reality of reasons why they can't eat healthy. And most times I would say it's probably because they just don't want to or they don't want to put the effort in. What can you speak on that uh, on that topic so that you can really just give some good quality advice to people who may be thinking that themselves or maybe thinking that you know eating healthy is only for people who um, have the money to do it? Sure. So first I want to say that it's not everything that you have to buy organic. Right, so there's the dirty dozen list. You can find it on newvisionexcel.com, and that's those are the produce that you you want to make sure that you're buying organic because those are the most heavily sprayed. And then you can buy conventional other things, like you can buy conventional sweet potatoes. Those don't have to be organic, but 
your bell peppers need to be organic. So you'll spend a little bit in one area and maybe not so much in another. Also, junk food, you may think, oh, it's only a couple dollars for a bag of chips, but the thing is, is those are empty calories, not really filling your family up. If you're buying high quality food, good protein sources, it's going to fill your children up. You are going to be putting your money in a better place. And if I would say the switch between when we switched from um, just a standard American diet to organic and a health food, healthful whole food diet, it was maybe $25 more a week. Nothing unreasonable. You can budget that out. If you don't go out to eat one meal a week, guess what? You saved enough to feed your family high quality food. Now, it does take a little bit of work in the beginning to figure out where to source your food from. I get most of my food from Kroger. I know that I can get um, all my produce that I need at Kroger, but I can't get my dairy and I can't get my meat at Kroger. So that's when you need to source in other areas. If you have a Whole Foods, you can look there, but maybe you don't. Maybe you live in a rural area. Start looking for, I mean, I have a, a sister-in-law who goes to the Amish and gets dairy from them. You can find local farmers or go to farmer's markets and see if you can find, um, you know, meat there. Buy a quarter of a cow of a grass-fed cow and you'll save money that way. So you start getting a little creative and finding where you can get these ingredients. Um, I use a lot of almond flour in my baking. I buy that online and I wait till Honeyville Farms runs a special and I use that coupon code and I save money and I get it online. So you just you start taking that little bit of extra time and you're able to stay within your budget. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people, they're actually spending so much money on their groceries simply because they're trying to eat healthy, but they're trying to eat all the pre-packaged foods that are healthy or quote unquote healthy, I should say. So, you know, you start getting all these gluten-free foods and you're starting to getting into all these different things. They get really expensive. And a lot of times they're just like a wolf in sheep's clothing when you're seeing gluten-free on things or uh, all naturals, another big one that's just, it means nothing, you it's, know? It's healthy so, junk food, really. Right. I mean, okay, so gluten-free, it obviously doesn't have gluten in it, but it's usually full of a ton of other starchy flours and it's just going to cause you to gain weight and other health problems. Problems. So it doesn't mean it's healthy just because it's gluten free. It's a huge misconception. But also, you know, buy the raw ingredients and, and you know start cooking in your own home because you're going to find that you're going to save a ton of money doing that and not buying the prepackaged healthy foods. Right. So I make my own bone broth, and the bones are so cheap, and you can make gallons of this bone broth. And instead of buying a little quart for $3.99 of organic bone broth, and you're also getting way better quality too. So by making some of your own things, choosing a few things that you want to make in your own home, like your own broth. And I know everybody can't do it all, but we make our own jerky. Um, we do uh, the kombucha and the fermented foods. I make my own sauerkraut. Good um, fermented sauerkraut that you buy at Whole Foods is like 7 or $8 for a container. And I buy a whole head of cabbage and make um, a whole quart myself for you know, maybe a dollar, dollar and a half, you know? So it's um, by making things in your own kitchen, you're also going to be saving money. Another thing I do is I make a plan. I have a plan every week of what we're eating for each meal. I sit down on Saturday night every week and I write out what we're having. I, I pretty much have my breakfast and lunches figured out, but I 
write down what we're having for dinner every day. I make my grocery list and I go shopping once a week. And that way, first of all, when I go to make my meal, I have all my ingredients. I'm not wasting time running to the store. Um, And then I also, it, it prevents you from saying, oh, let's just go out to eat tonight. I don't feel like cooking. Well, you've already bought that food and you don't want it to go to waste, so you're gonna cook it. And so I have this plan and I, I stick to it. And the other thing too is I don't want to spend more than a half hour in a kitchen. If you're a busy mom, you don't want to have to spend an hour and a half preparing this healthy meal for your family. You want to be going outside with your kids and having fun and playing with your family. So I pick meals that are healthy but are quick to make too. I mean, we do stir fries and soups and, and a lot of really healthy foods that I can whip up and prepare in less than a half hour. Awesome. Well, you know, I think that people are going to find this very informative and we'll look at the show ratings on this. Um, if this is, if this show gets really high ratings and a really huge amount of downloads, what we might consider doing in, cause we've already been tossing the idea around is starting a mom's corner on the website where, you know, we'll, have blogs about raising healthy children and um, you know healthy meal plans for children and that type of thing. So you know if this is a huge hit, we'll look into that. Um, if it isn't, then we won't do it. But uh, thank you for uh, sharing this information with all of our listeners today, Ashley. I think that um, for a lot of moms, they want to raise healthy kids. They want to give their kid every opportunity in life, and a lot of times they just don't know how. And so this is going to be a roadmap to starting. Uh, you know, the healthy meal plan starting to, you know, heal your kids in more of a natural way when they get sick. And really, like I said, offer your kid a really compelling future. So thank you to all of our listeners for being here with us today. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to listen. And uh, we look forward to having many more great shows with you. And thank you, Ashley. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Absolutely. Happy Mother's Day and have an amazing day. Take care. If you want more information to multiply your health and simplify your lifestyle, visit our website at excelpodcast.com. Until next time, have an outstanding day.